Hello and welcome to episode 38 of The Thing About Golf, a podcast series from Golf Australia magazine that explores the fundamental question of why people are so drawn to this infuriating game. My name's Rod Murray, and alongside John Huggan, we take turns at putting this seemingly simple yet genuinely complex question to a range of people in the golf space, everyone from players and administrators to writers and entrepreneurs, and every type of golfer that you can imagine in between. Now, just before we come to today's guest, a quick plug for episode 37, where Huggy sat down with three-time major winner Nick Price. I can tell you from the statistics that it's already one of our most downloaded episodes, and I'm not surprised in the least. It was a terrific chat, and if you haven't yet done so, make the effort to go and have a listen. You can do that by subscribing to the show, which is a bit of a misnomer. Uh, It costs nothing, and in fact, that term's likely to change in the not-too-distant future. It's easy to do through Apple Podcasts if you're an iPhone or iPad user, or through Google Podcasts if you're on an Android system. And for those who already have Spotify on their device, you can also find us there. If none of that makes sense to you, then go to the website at www.golfaustralia.com.au and click the Podcast tab up in the top left-hand corner. Also, make sure to give us a follow on Twitter at at ThingGolf, that's capital T-H-I-N-G, capital G-O-L-F, and head to the Golf Australia magazine Facebook page if you've got any feedback about the show. Enough of the admin, let's get on with today's show, and our guest for episode 38 might be considered a bit of an anomaly in the world of modern professional golf. As the game drifts ever further towards a reliance on power, 46-year-old Matt Miller is a throwback to a different era. Nonetheless, though, he remains competitive. Despite being as much as 60 metres behind some of his competitors off the tee, he remains a perennial contender on the local circuit through guile, accuracy, an extraordinary short game, but most importantly, superior mental skills. At the age of 40 in 2015, Miller had an epiphany that changed his golf game. And while most of us will never have the talent of Matt Miller, there are lessons in his journey for all of us, and that's true whether you play off 20 or scratch. Matt Miller is one of the game's good guys, and I hope you enjoy this chat with him on episode 38 of The Thing About Golf. The clue's in the title. It is always our jumping off point. The Thing About Golf. What's the thing about golf for Matt Miller? I just love the... uh Love the thrill of the competition, really. Just getting out there with the scorecard and pencil and uh, just, you know, battling on and uh, taking on whatever golf throws at you on that day, I guess, um, whether it's, you know, weather or um, just conditions and, and, you know, that opportunity to continue to play different golf courses rather than, you know, just being stuck at one golf course. Uh, yeah, love it. You've been at it a long time. There must be periods where it wears thin, surely, especially when it's not going well, Matt. Yeah, look, that's probably the that's the hard thing. Um, and I don't really know many golfers that haven't, you know, ha- had that issue. Um, even, you know, probably the great Tiger Woods. Um, you know, at various stages, he's had things that have popped up, and you know, his golf hasn't been so good. But um, yeah, that's definitely definitely the hardest part. You know, when you when you're away, let's say, and you and you're on a bit of a, you know, a bit of an ordinary run. Um, but uh, I guess. You know the the good times certainly you know and the good runs certainly outweigh that. Um, so you know I've been fortunate enough probably in the in the back part of my career to, to be able to have a lot of the good runs. So mm. yeah, you've been quite the perennial contender <laughs> these last sort of ten years or so in Australia. We'll talk about that shortly. Just back up to that a bit. There's a lot of professional golf that we don't see the public, mm. 
and a lot of them are probably those times you're talking about. Nobody's writing about you when you're missing cuts. Yeah. So out of sight, out of mind, yep. I guess. What does sort of keep you going at that point? Because it might be the easiest game in the world to just give up, and, and you would know blokes who've given yeah, up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've you know got friends that have, that I played the game with, you know, uh, through traineeship and beyond. Um, that you know now don't don't play, and some don't even play golf at all, mm-hmm. let alone professionally. So, um, you know, and that's you know that's the a personal decision. Um, you know, I've encountered a few. Uh, year, you know, over the years, I've encountered a few times where I've probably not really um, been playing that well, but um, I'm just stuck at it. Um, you know, I've I've tried to get good help um, at, at a couple of different occasions there where I've needed it, uh, and probably found the right people. And um, you know, in a real, um, I guess it's just part of my makeup. I guess I, you know, I don't like to give You're up. A golfer, yeah. You? <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I get to the point where I do get, you know, really cranky with myself. Um, and push myself to to get out of it and and keep going. Uh, and I guess that's that's part of it. You probably need that because uh, it's not always going to be good uh, every day. Let's be honest, Matt. It's that or work. Yeah, but that's who, right. Who wants to do that? Imagine <laughs> having a job. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks, Rod. <laughs> oh, I know that you've done some of that as well. What's the most common misconception? You play a lot of pro-ams. What's the most common misconception that people have about professional golfers, do you reckon? Uh, appearance money, that we are all t- <laughs> we all turn up and we're all paid uh, regardless of performance. That's probably the one thing, um, you know, I guess, you know, as much as they've been great for the game, people like, you know, um, Tiger Woods and Greg Norman and Jack Nicholas and Phil Mickelson and all these people, I guess they're the people that, uh, you know, are in the media all the time, the faces of golf, if you like. Um, so, you know, that's where I think people see that and then they think, oh, well, maybe – you know, Tiger's getting a million to play here, so Matt Miller probably is not that good. So, but gee, surely he must be getting twenty grand to play here. Uh, no, the purse is actually worth twenty in total today, and uh, the I'm winner will take eighteen percent of it if I play my best. <laughs> that's right. So, yeah, look, that's that's one of the things um, that that sort of stands out um, quite a lot. Uh, that happens quite a lot, but um, yeah, it is. It's very different. It's very different to what people people think it it would be like. Um, yeah. And the other thing I feel like the big misconception, the thing people don't really understand is how competitive golf is at a level where they don't expect that the lines are so fine and how competitive. You, you play the, the pro-am circuit around New South Wales. You haven't mm. got a full field necessarily of world-class golfers, but you've got enough players in there that can really play. There's no easy golf tournament to win, is there? Not anymore, no. not And even you know dating back, it's not like that was the case either. Um, but- you know, it's, if you just, yeah, I mean, whether you're playing a pro-am here in, in the country um, or you're, you're playing a, a bigger tour event here or you're playing on a major tour event worldwide, it's there's never an easy one anymore. Um, most players in the field, if not all, particularly on the overseas tours now, it's that strong. Any one of them can win any week. They're, and the players are that good. They're, they're better at a younger age. They're stronger, faster. They're, they're much better physically, getting better uh, coaching mentally. So you know the the game's changed a lot. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of uh, aggressive play, I guess. Uh, and you know, usually you're going to find that someone is going to um, come out on top that week through aggressive play. It might not happen from the following week. They might be out the door backwards. But if it all sticks that week, you know that, that's that's sort of where the game's gone. Take 156 good players. Yeah, 20 of them are going to play lights out on any given week, aren't they? And that's if you're right. not convinced about that, look at your own weekly yeah. comps that you play. 
And every week, somebody shoots 41 points. Yeah, It's absolutely. never the same by two weeks in a row. Somebody, <laughs> somebody always does. Yeah, that's right. It's um, just the nature of the game. You know, I mean, we, an event that stands out recently is probably the, the TPS at Rosebud. Um, you know, the first day it blew 50 uh, out of the east, and I thought, oh, wow. You know, and I didn't play fantastic, but I think I shot even or one under, and um, I thought, oh, that's all right. But I knew someone would probably shoot five, even though – conditions were so strong and Nathan Barbieri shot 10 and Jeff Ogilvy shot seven you know I don't think anyone else then there was a couple of fives and whatever but just you know that's just where it's at there's always someone who's got their game on a given day so whether it's a one day or a two day or a four day um, yeah there's always someone who's got who's got their game with them and you know you've got to try and um, basically keep pace with that. So much more information for players, Matt, isn't there? In terms of the playing of the game, in every way, from the mental game to shot dispersion to how to prepare your body to what's the most efficient way to swing the club, what's the most efficient way to score. There's a sea of information telling people how to do it, whereas I imagine you're probably on that cusp of guys who kind of had to work it out for yourself. It would have been at the start of that information yeah. age, I think, when you probably were really starting to play. Seriously. Yeah, good point. Um that's exactly where it's at. You know, there's there's so much information and uh, and and help out there now, uh, and you know, it can really show you where you're at. There's no guessing. I mean, you know, we did some stats. You know, when I was first out, you know, on the tour and that, but they weren't that in depth. And you know, the game was a bit different then. And and now that it has changed, and you know, we're looking at you know length and strokes gained here, there, and everywhere. You know, in all these categories, um, you know, you can certainly work out real fast where you need to improve. And uh, the quality of coaching too. I and mean, we've got a lot of great coaches here in Australia. We have for a long time, but um, you know their their education now and and their own experience with that education, the players they've worked with, uh, and passing that on to the younger coaches coming through as well is is just invaluable. Is the game better for it? I think the game is uh, uh, at a point where I think the information is is outstanding. The technology's outstanding, um, but I th- just wonder where it's going to stop. Um, Has the game lost something from when you watched first and then turned pro and started to play? Because if if we accept the notion that professional golf at its core is merely entertainment, mm. so the more entertaining That's is, right. the better the game is. Yeah, absolutely. So is it more entertaining? Is there a generational shift in what people consider entertaining? Maybe you and I are old school. What we find entertaining is not what younger people find entertaining. How do you feel about all yeah, of that? Yeah, good points. Um, you know, I guess if, you, if you're a spectator at home and, you know, and golf, you, you play golf for enjoyment and entertainment at the weekend, you know, um, you're going to look there and look at Dustin Johnson hitting it 350 and go, wow, isn't that magnificent? Um, you know, and it is. I just think back to, you know, when I watched, when I was a kid watching, you know, a lot of the top players at the time play on the TV and then, you know, coming through myself and whatever and, you know, a lot of it's the equipment, you know, particularly the ball. But, you know, the big drivers and, you know, and the, and the bigger irons and everything and the technology, hybrids they all help hybrids for me. Level. I mean, geez, I've got about a bag full of hybrids. I love them. But, um, you know, the golf ball's a big thing, you know. Um, you couldn't hit the ball hard years ago, like many years ago. I mean, you couldn't hit it hard because the equipment just wasn't that good. And if you missed it a little bit, I think it'd sail off into the scrub, you know, into a hazard somewhere. You know, you it wasn't coming back. No, you, you couldn't. You could hit it hard. You could There were long drivers. Now you can, you know. Yeah, and you now, you know, like you've got to, you know, we often talk, myself and a couple of the, the old timers, you know, we'll be talking away and think, you know, how 
how straight the ball goes now, you know, and you've actually got to work to move it. You've got to start to really want to, if you want to see it go one way or the other, you've got to really give that a bit of effort to make it move. Which is a complete so, reversal from where yeah, you would have started, which is you doing everything in your control the thing not was, to have it move. Yeah, that's right. The thing, <laughs> the thing didn't like going straight. No. So, but no, look, it's changed. Uh, and look, it is entertainment. It's, it's, it, you know, it really is for, for people who want to see it at home, you know, if they can see a guy stand there and take it over, you know, at Bay Hill, let's say, um, that hole, that dog leg round there, you know, where I think Terrell Hatton might have whipped it over and McElroy and those guys in recent years where they whip it all the way over that water and go in with next to nothing. That's that's entertaining for people at home. Um, what are you going to need to do in 15 years yeah, to that's get the, the same result? You know, I was just chatting with someone the other day, uh, you know, where do we go with it? Um, you know, do we have to then find more land to build a bigger golf course or what do we do, you know? Um, in my opinion, I'd, I'd be happy to see some of the things that are going on continue, but I'd also be happy to see it mixed up and particularly in course conditions, you know, where – uh, I just think back to one tournament that stands out to me. I think it was the 2004 New Zealand Open at the Grange in Auckland. Not a long golf course, past 70, I think. Terry Price won, around about 10 under. I might even think might have been nine, could have been 11, around that mark. And I think I ran about 10th-ish, might have, yeah, around that mark. And I reckon I was about two under or three under for the tournament. That golf course was you know had some dog legs in it but it wasn't a long golf course but the rough was thick and juicy and the greens were firm and quick and they weren't that big so if you hit a shot and you hit the fairway you're a good chance to do something with it you miss the fairway didn't matter where you were didn't matter if you were a long hitter you were just in the in the thick rough and you were just trying to somehow either get it to the front of the green or if you landed it on hope and pray that it didn't It'd run through over the back and that's just how it was set up and you had to move your ball with the shape of the hole if it dog leg because of the thickness of the fairway. You couldn't be taking it over edges and then, you know. Compare that for me because that's a style of golf that I don't like. I find that much less entertaining. Yep. It's a very dictatorial form of yeah, it is. hit it here and then yeah. turn and hit it there and whoever executes. That's right. It's a one-dimensional for me. I mean, I understand why a lot of pros like that because you spend your lives learning to execute. Compare that for me to Royal Melbourne. Hard-pressed to find a pro that doesn't like Royal Melbourne mm. or the old course at St Andrews, which is the polar opposite. How do you compare those two? And is there still a place in professional golf for the Royal Melbourne and the old course? Yeah, I think so. Um, Royal Melbourne is, um, you know, and all those sandbelt courses are positional play, uh, no question, and probably taking on being patient and taking on what you think you can take on to a point, to the point where it's not a scorecard or a round wrecker. Um, There's some diabolical places yeah, to miss. And, and wind direction plays a huge, huge part in whatever you do around those courses, um, how you go about positioning your ball around there. Do you enjoy that? In some yeah, ways, it's a similar test to the one that's narrow, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. It's yeah. just there's more room when you miss. You know, the penalty isn't the thick rough. The penalty is the angle that you yeah, left yourself. The angle. Uh, the modern statisticians will tell you or, that's not true. Yeah. The angles don't matter. Oh, the angles matter massively, especially around around a place like that where you know if you've got a slight a bunker and a slight slope coming off that bunker on the right and the pins at the back right, you can't tell me you want to be coming over that. Whereas if you could be in the left half of the fairway and coming more up the green and not have to, you know worry about that downslope of that bunker, you know, um, round courses like that. But if you're playing a golf course that's set up 
like marshmallow, you know, or dart dartboard. Soft the Angles, yeah. Maybe then they don't matter as much when you're spinning everything back. But when you, you know, when you're talking about a, a sand belt setup for tournament, which is usually a little bit firmer, um, yeah. I think angles really matter. Indeed. And, of course, the other thing you get with that is the truly great player puts Seve slightly out of position at Royal Melbourne, and he's going to think to himself, I've got to lie here. I can do something with this, mm. and he's going to try it. Now, it doesn't matter ultimately for entertainment whether he succeeds or whether he fails. <laughs> it's entertaining to watch, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, that's and that's, you know, that's creative play. Mm. Um, there's still a lot of creative play in the game. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that. Um it's just a bit. It's just a bit different to the way it was, you know. And um, you know, I don't see it. Don't see it really going back unless they do something with the ball um, and then with the limits on the clubs. But you know, it's entertaining. I think um, for for people at home, and that's like you said, you know, profession. That's what golf professionals should be doing. That's all it is, and man. that's what it is. Yeah, it's never exactly saved right. a life. No, that's exactly <laughs> it's right. A lot of money yeah. to help save life. Yeah. it's never saved a life. Yeah. it's never made a life. That's it's right. Never- Exactly. So it's just golf. Um, yeah, but I think uh, I think we've got to sort of work out, you know, when and where this probably stops. <laughs> Equipment companies won't be happy to hear that. <laughs> well, the game's not just about professionals. In fact, ultimately, the game's the least about professionals. And I don't mean that with any disrespect. No, no, absolutely. Much less about oh. what you guys do. Much yeah. more about what the Wednesday Warrior yeah. does. And that's the thing. You probably don't want to take away from what they do. You know, I. You know, if, if, a, if a club member's out there, he doesn't have to go back to a ball that's a bit average and a club that's not as big and, you know, he, you know they shouldn't be doing that. You know, men and ladies that playing at home, they shouldn't be doing that. You know, it's it's more probably about doing something, you know, in the professional side of things. I don't know exactly what, but... Do you think you're a professional who's played across the this change that we've seen, and it's been quite rapid really, but it's been sort of slow in terms of it's probably been 15 or 20 years in the making. You would pl- you played right through that. Has it changed the nature of what's required to be a successful professional? And do you are a short hitter, a noted short hitter, who still competes regularly here in Australia. Be fair to say that realistically, you're unlikely to be a contender on the US tour most weeks. Absolutely, I won't be. <laughs> but you did play very successfully in Europe for a few years yeah. in the 90s. Yep. So has that changed the nature of the game? Has it made it a more one-dimensional game? Or has the field, for the most part, moved with those changes to where we still have enough different styles of play to keep it interesting? Um, I would say now. Uh, you're saying what it's like now. Now, and, and you've played through it. Yeah. So what did it used to be um, to now? And, and is it better, it, worse, more entertaining, less? I think it's probably... In, in a sense, it's it's probably more entertaining for people sitting at home who want to see Rory that week when he's on, you know, when he's on and Dustin's on and and John Rahm, you know, and see those three going head to head, you know, and, and throw the tiger in there if you know if we go back a couple of years to the Inject to the Masters, that into you know, my veins but I think forward, that's yeah. yeah, you know, that's the sort of thing people want to see that. But is it because they hit at three fifty, or is it because they're Rahm, McIlroy, and Johnson who are at the top of the game? Now, I would suggest yeah, to right. you that Norman Lyle. Ballesteros yeah. would have yeah. the same effect in the mid eighties. You Absolutely. Would injected that yeah. into your veins. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Seventy yards further back. They're, you know, they are at the top of their game, and that's why they're the people they are. And you know, in terms of you know being ranked where they are and thought of as highly as they are. But you know, they've got to do things to get to that point. Oh, of course. And they can't yeah. just be long hitters. You know. No. Oh so no, 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 no. That's um. You know, I want to I want to make that point that I'm not sitting here as a short hitter going, oh, you know, you're you're lucky because you're a long hitter. No. Um. 
it definitely helps them, you know, to be able to score as it's a given now, game. Isn't it? Yeah, strokes it's, game. The average is about three hundred yards, I think, on the US team. Yeah, average. That's right. So that's pretty big. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's changed. Uh, no question. I mean, yeah, there was probably you know when I played in Europe there in the in the mid thousands there, um, you know, Nicholas Colsarts came on and he was a you know around the same year and he was a he was a long hitter. You know, he was a bomber, the Belgian bomber, but. Um, you know, and then you had a lot of other guys that oh, Kiros came on as well, Alvaro Kiros. Um, he really smashed it. Anton Haig. You know, they were probably the guys that really pitched up and, you know, and everyone went, oh, wow, you know. But then there were, you know, there were guys that could get it out there a bit further, but now it's changed. Everyone gets it out there now. If you're, there's not many guys you play with now, you know, that are young guys that don't hit it quite a long way. So it, it's different. It's changed. Um, but, you know, that's, that's where it's at. It's, you know, you can't sit there and say, you know, it's, it's, uh, um, you know, what, what are we going to do? We've got to stop it. We don't have to stop it, but we've probably got to work out, you know, how far we let it go before we have to build some ridiculously long courses and Ultimately just sustained. change up what we play week to week here yeah. and there so that, you know, you do have that Dustin Johnson, you know, where he shot, I think it was the Deutsche Bank where he shot 30 or 31 under or something ridiculous there in that playoffs, um, which, I don't care how he's, I don't care if it's pitch and putt. <laughs> pitch and putt, that's, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculously yes. good. It is ridiculously good, you know, and to do that and to win by as many shots as he did is just just amazing. We but, might actually underrate him, that. Oh, it sounds so. crazy, but we oh. might underrate him. Yeah, know? that's right. <laughs> he is a freak. But I'd love to see a combination of that sort of scoring and then not every week of the year, but I'm happy in the US Open when it is a bit, not when it's unplayable. There's a difference between unplayable and seeing it bloody difficult. Good's not good enough. Great is what you yeah. did. And just throwing in some smarts as well. Not just blazing away, but, you know, and hitting it a long way down there, but actually saying, I genuinely cannot be in this position. Right? Put a big X in your yardage book. Don't golf. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. But, don't you know, do that. <laughs> fake, but focus more as a positive rather yeah, yeah, than but, a negative. But, but it's, you know, it's don't golf. If the that, left yeah. is no good, then, you know, we focus on the right and pushing you, pushing their way around in tough conditions. You know, and seeing what that produces. I mean, and once again, like you said, you don't want to see that every week of the year because then people start to fall asleep. You know, they want to see the birdies and the eagles that guys like Rory and, you know, these guys make, you know, particularly on holes in the desert. You know, you watch Tyrrell Hatton there a few weeks back. I remember him, I think, at Abu Dhabi, first hole, pitches up on that 10th, ridiculously long hole, hits it, you know, six foot from the hole, makes eagle first hole of the tournament. You think, crikey, you know. <laughs> like, wish, I, wish I'd bet wow. on Wow. <laughs> so it's not over yet, but gee, it started. Yeah. You know why you like that sort of US Open golf, Matt? Because you're watching it from Canberra. Yeah. That's why you like it. Yeah. If you were in the field, <laughs> you'd be hating on it as much as the rest of them. <laughs> oh, look, I, I, yeah, I probably. Um, but look, it's entertaining. I think it's good. I think it's good to get a mix of golf. I, Golfers yeah. appreciate that sort of golf, yeah. I think, don't they? Golfers who've played golf for a long time. Yeah. No matter, doesn't matter what standard at. They yeah. appreciate. They can see that the- I mean, you watch some of those open championships over the years. There's been a few, you know, a few days where you, you know, blow a dog off a chain and, you know, and it's, and it's been, you know, incredible to watch, um, you know, or just the course set up or, you know, and all those things combined. So, but, um, yeah, the game's definitely, I mean, it's in a good place, I think, you know, these, these young guys that are playing well. Um, the financial you know, side, isn't there? There's yeah. never been so much money in professional golf yeah. overseas more so than here, and particularly in yep. the US. Yep. As, is that something that's been noticeable for you, that things have become more concentrated in the US over time? The European tour is not as viable an option as it was when you played in the mid-2000s, is it? Yeah, it's um, 
I don't know. I really, I haven't followed it as closely there. Um, I mean, I'm no longer a member there. I, I was a couple of years ago, but um, I haven't followed their position that closely. But they sort of, you know, they come and go on the schedule a bit. You know, you, you see tournaments come on. They, they don't stay. Some do stay. They grow and grow. Some of their partnerships have gotten bigger and bigger. So I'm not really sure, but you're right on the PGA Tour front. I mean, they just continue to, you know, keep going. I think I was talking with someone there not long back. I uh, can't think who it was off the top of my head, but, you know, they were saying as a, as a member of that tour that, you know, the list of sponsors waiting to get on there. You know, if, if you're a sponsor and you decline, you know, it, it's not a, well, we're not going to talk to you again, but it's a lovely letter. Thanks very much for your assistance over the years. Thank you very much, and we, we wish you all that. the best. But next, this, is, this is Tim who's you know. got a pocket full of money. He'll be dip, <laughs> dipping into it to, uh, to sponsor know. the event from now on. Yeah. There's a real uh, – not apathy is the wrong word, but uh, contentment can become a real issue in those situations because that's not yep. going to last forever. No. It, it will turn again, and golf will find itself – and it's probably going to be in some ways related to Tiger a little bit. Mm, definitely. Even though he's not at his best anymore, he's still by far the biggest draw card in the game. You've met him, played with him? I know you probably yeah, I've met him, a few um, times. met him, but I've, I've never actually played with him um, in the field a number of times. And I, I did chat with him in uh, Mexico, the world event, world golf event last uh, in 2019. So, okay, nice. Yeah. You got Tiger yeah. 2.0, the nice Tiger. Yeah, actually, I got him on a, yeah, at the right time. He was. Well, it didn't seem like the right time, uh, but I asked him to sign some stuff in the locker room, and he was—he was really accommodating. He was, he was fantastic. I had a good chat with him, and he, yeah, he was great. So, how many golf pros in the world would make you think I'd like to get his autograph? Yeah, well, I've had a few. Like I've got a few, um, and I got a few that week. Um, I got a few favourites. I mean, I'm a you know I'm a big. Uh, I like Justin Rose as a player. Um, Massive Adam Scott fan as well as a player and just as a just as a guy. I think um, you know the times I've played with him in a number of tournaments. You know he he's always up for a chat. You know you're usually standing there shaking, thinking, <laughs> "Christ, here we go again." And you know I've got to I've got to watch him absolutely flush it down every fairway, three hundred, and you know and then he's going to watch me pop pop it down there about you know two twenty five and go and watch me get another hybrid in. You know and you're thinking to yourself, "Oh God!" But you know he he treats everyone the same. Uh, been out with him on a number of occasions on the tournament, you know, whether it's for dinner or anything, and just a just a lovely fella. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood, what a, what a great lad, um, you know. So there's a bunch of them out there. Um, you know, Francesco Molinari is just a he's a lovely guy too. Um, very quiet, very quiet fella, but um, but a really nice guy. Mark Leishman's a ripping bloke too. Should we've had him Leish on the podcast, and yeah, yeah, you so, couldn't say, say a bad word about him. Um, uh... Yeah, so you know, there's a, there's a lot of guys out there that you know. That uh, that I follow um, when I'm, you know, watching golf or checking leaderboards, you know, on on tours overseas, and you know, and Cameron Smith's a good lad too. He's a he's a nice fella as well. So proved it by getting that yeah. haircut. Yeah. <laughs> what is that about? Come on, Cam. Seriously, mate. Do us all a favour. Stop that. Uh, yeah. So um, you know, and then just yeah, there's, there's been a number of guys over the years that you you know that you do follow, and um, you know, my encounters with Phil Mickelson at, at Mexico were were also fantastic. He you know. He was more than accommodating for, for trying to, you know, help me out with a with a couple of signatures and whatever and you know, very chatty and yeah, you know, and then there's the guys who aren't as well. So yeah. I won't ask you to name names because I'm Patrick not Patrick Reed. Um <laughs> <laughs> Gee, you've really lost a lot of followers there, Matt. Eh? You're right out on a limb there, aren't you? Eh? Oh, you said yeah. Jordan Spieth, maybe, but Patrick oh, yeah, Reed's good, he's not, a nice uh, guy too, but uh, oh, he's got he's got it, hasn't he? Whatever it yeah. is, he's got it. That other bloke. The sandman. Wow. 
Mm. Let's move on from there because that's sort of unsavory. Let's talk about your game, Matt, and why you're still competitive. And you are still competitive. I mean, every summer rolls around here in Australia. I've been waiting for 10 years for you to get old. <laughs> and you just seem generous. to refuse to do it. Um, <laughs> how old are you now? Just uh, 44. 44. Yeah. Okay. Yep. In golf terms, that's pretty old. I mean, it's it is, yeah. It's the grey area, isn't it, between the tour and the senior tour where a lot of blokes spend 10 years not knowing what to do. But you're still competitive. Realistically, behind the longest hitters, maybe 60 yards and behind yeah, the rest of the field. 60, 70 behind, you know, probably guys, 70 behind guys like Lincoln Ty and Tim Hart and Josh Armstrong and those sorts of guys. So, um, you know, probably all the, all the bigger hitters and there's a, there's a few others probably that join that list, mm-hmm. um, here in Australia. So, um, the shortest hitter on the Australian tour, do you reckon? Would that be fair to say? Oh, if I'm not the shortest, I'm You're competitive. probably in the bottom three. <laughs> You're <competitive>. <laughs> <laughs> probably in the bottom three anyway. Um, so how yeah, do you do it? So, how do you play golf from there? As yeah, a look, it's, it's hard. Um, but I th- think, you know, it's, um, it's sort of part of that, that makeup that, you know, I, I try and, I try and play a game when I look at, you know, what I do and I look, say, if I use players as a model. I uh, look at someone like Zach Johnson, Tim Clark over the years. They're guys that I use. There's guys I'd love to be, love to be swinging it like Justin Rose, you know, or someone like that. But you'd probably um, like to putt like you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Maybe um, that's how that works, Matt. No <laughs> exactly. one get not you even get Ty, not even Adam got all of it. <laughs> you he almost got it all, but he didn't get all of it. <laughs> that's right. Um, but you know, I probably just use models like that. And I mean, watching Tim Clark, the way he would he he would get around and compete. You know, and then even um, just to use some other, you know, models like probably three of our best, you know, that are, you know, um, uh, playing seniors golf now and good friend Peter O'Malley, Peter Senior, Craig Parry, you know, all all friends, um, you know, but good, really good, good players, great competitors as well. You know, they, you know, they just, they grab hold of it and just keep going. And I guess that's sort of what I've learned from them as well. Um, he's a bulldog, isn't you know, he? Mike, I, I, yeah, absolutely. This, he's the most competitive this. bloke on the planet. Him yeah. and Marcus Fraser, who I'm is that right? a good friend and staying yeah. with never, again this week. You'd never pick either of them. If you met him at a dinner and you didn't oh, know who they were, you'd never pick either. Geez. Lovely blokes, butter wouldn't melt in their mouth. Yeah, and it doesn't matter if it's for if it's for you know uh-huh. if it's for five hundred grand or it's for five bucks or fifty cents. They want it. It's not the principle of how much it is. It's just the fact that they believe it's theirs. Yeah, and you know, and I guess. In a sense, that's sort of where I've got to push my golf to um, and play my game. And it's a hard thing. Sometimes you find yourself being drawn into wanting to try to maybe do a little too much. You know, that might be out of your capability. So I'm not saying, you know, hit it 300, but, you know, then I might be looking at taking on something where it just flat out doesn't suit. And you've got to pull yourself up and say, hang on a second, that's not you. And I guess that's probably something I've been able to do quite well. The shorter stuff's, you know, over the years has suited me. You know, my style of game is reasonably accurate, um, you know, when when playing decently. And, um, you know, and then capitalising inside 100 being pretty good and pretty accurate and so on there. So, um, but I just, you know, I just continue to get out there and, and I guess I've done it for long enough now that you know there's scores there, you know. Yes, it'd be great to be able to hit a sand wedge instead of hitting a six iron or, a, you know, five hybrid or something <laughs> crazy, you know, but uh, whatever it is is whatever it is. Um, that's the way I've played. I haven't – it's not like I've lo- – you know, I might have lost a little bit of yardage over the years, but, you know, it's not like I sit here and say, oh, well, I'm 35 or 40 shorter than I used to be. Oh, no, 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 you no. Know, there's none of that. So it's just – shorter than the field. Yeah, the it's just the way – yeah, they've gone ahead. I, I'm, I'm not getting ahead. 
I don't have enough speed there. I didn't. I don't create enough speed to be able to get those continual gains. Um, but you know, I've got to continue to be able to control my ball well. And if I'm playing all right, that's probably what I do well. I control that ball well in terms of shape and to the number, uh, which then has you, you know, uh, proximity to the hole should be pretty good. And if you're pretty good from there, you know, on the hole, you you'll give it a, you'll give it a shake. Peter Senior sat in that very chair probably about 12 or 18 months ago, he came in to do the show and I sort of asked him some of these same kinds of questions and the way he put it to me was just so simple and so beautiful. He said, well, the score's the score. Mm. So the question is, can I shoot 65 on this golf course? At the end of the day, I'm going to sign for 65 and if you want to beat me, you have to sign for 64. Yeah, that's right. Yep, absolutely. I would agree with that. Um, Yeah, I just try to play my own game, understand my own game and I guess that's probably something that I've done better in this last six or seven years is understanding my game. You know, what do I do? What can I do? You know, you know, and sometimes I guess when you relate that to people you play with, sometimes you might play with a club golfer and, you know, they're looking for a, a bunch of miracle shots in, in one round, career shots. Sometimes one hole, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> That's how we play the game. That's right. And, you know, I guess my, understand, my understanding of my game is that, you know, that's not – that's not what's going to get me across the line is, you know, I think I said it in an interview um, walking down the first at Royal Pines on the Sunday there in 18, um, you know, you and Porter was asking about, you know, um, what the Sunday meant. I think I was second last group and, you know, you know, he said the order merits on the line. If you could finish in the top, you know, however many, top two, you might give it a shake and, um, Gee, thanks, you I know yeah, about that, but I'm glad I've got that you know, for the rest of the day. Like I said, you know, the thing is, you know, I can only do what I can do, you know. And he said, oh, you know, how do you see it out here? And I said, well, you know, like I don't think I'm going to – these crowds, I said, I don't think anyone's going to really be all that thrilled by watching me and my ball flight. You know, I'm probably going to bore a few people to death here, but that's just what I do. I mean, that's how I get around. It's it's how Pete gets around too. You know, he, you know, he pushes the ball around into the spots. When you're playing well, you control that ball, and if you control that ball and – you know, you keep the errors off the card, the the silly mistakes or the silly club choices. You know, that's that's when eventually at the end of the week you look at it and you're in the mix. You know, so two things. I th- it feels to me like that comes from two areas. One is wisdom, which comes with experience, mm. which you have plenty of, and the other is discipline. And all golfers would be familiar with this. You get paired with a bloke who hits it a mile past you. It's almost impossible not to try to hit it a bit further than you normally do because the bloke next to you is hitting it so far past you. It takes real discipline, doesn't it, to accept this is what I can do. But more importantly, it takes extraordinary discipline to accept I can't do that. Yeah, that's right. Uh, It's something that sometimes every now and then I have to, even though I understand that, you have to stand there and go, you're not going to hit it that far. You're not going to hit it where he's hit it. But why can't I also just play my game and hit it down there and then absolutely stump one for the second and say, you know, you better hit yours inside that and turn the table a bit, I guess. Yeah, you know, that's that's where you've got to be you got to be better. And I mean my, my coach Michael Jones, he said to me years ago, he said, you know, he said you're a good hybrid player. You know, and every time I talk to him he says, make those hybrids sing, Maddie. You know, he says, get out there and, you know, and hit them well and hit them close, you know. And that's the thing. I went to those clubs because that was such a such an added bonus for me to be able to hit it high and low and with with ease. And there've been 
you know, fabulous for me. But, um, you know, I often get the chance to hit them first before someone else gets to hit their uh, eight iron, nine iron or wedge. So, um, yeah, just, you know, once again, if you can just, if your execution's good and you're controlling that ball, um, you know, you, you give yourself every chance of still making a lot of birdies. I've watched you play golf and it is, it's actually a thing of beauty. <laughs> pa- partly because it doesn't look like the other blokes, not, not the swing, not the ball flight. But the end result, you can only as a golfer stand back and say, wow. Um, you know, I think that's that, that competitive nature and that wanting to, mm. you know, continue to keep going. I mean, I get people ask me when I play pro-ams and that, oh, you know, how long do you think you'll do it for? You know, another year or two? And I go, oh, I'll just keep going. I'll just keep going until, until I can't do it, you know, or until I feel that, you know, I've, I've maybe been left too far behind and, and the scores don't translate. But in the meantime, if it's still happening in four years, if I'm still hitting it as I am and holding putts and, you know, and doing that sort of thing and maintaining the same um, uh, attitude and, and competitiveness and that drive, then I'll just keep going. I mean, what's to stop you? You haven't won a whole lot, Matt. You won a few. You've been robbed of a few. <laughs> Michael Long needs to give you that Vic oh, Open Long, trophy yeah. <laughs> after what he did to you on the 18th hole there. But <laughs> golf's interesting because even the greats don't win much yeah. statistically compared to other sports. So I suppose it in part comes down to what does winning and losing mean mm. to you? What does winning mean to you and what does losing mean to you in golf? They're yeah, rubbery terms in this game, aren't they? Um, I mean, I've been fortunate enough at the low, you know, at the at – the, um, lower tier levels, you know, in the pro ams, I think I've won around oh. about seventy five or eighty of them. But when you put something them, like that, you know, one sh- two days, when you when you put them over, you know, one and two and four days, you know, it's a bit different. It's a different style of golf. Um, it took me a long time before I got that first one at New Zealand PGA in two thousand and fifteen. And as you alluded to, I think there was one there at Toowoomba just as well a couple of weeks before Ryan Fox, you know. Eagle, he, two of the last four? He did. He finished Eagle, Eagle, Birdie in the last three. Another uh, one Eagle, 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 Par, I think. Another yeah. one who hits at 370. Yeah, he drove it on a par four over trees to a tight front pin that had like, – you, you're lucky to hit a, a sandwich to where he hit it with a driver. Yeah. That's what he is. He's a hooligan. That's right. And, you know, he <laughs> – I just remember leaving the course and thinking – and I think Cam Smith and I tied for second one shot behind him. And he and he chipped in or hold off putt from off the green from a long way on 17 for Eagle and – I remember leaving there and um, Dave Brands and I went our way back to uh, Brisbane Airport and Dave just, he was driving and not much was said really. He didn't. And then he goes, geez, you were shafted. <laughs> you were shafted. Like just out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Dave. And um, and the phone rang and it was, it was Ryan Fox. Eddie said, look, he goes, I just feel so bad. And I said, good. I said, look, you don't feel bad. I said, the, the aim of the game is to get to the clubhouse at the best number. I said, you got there. You got there one ahead of myself and Cam. I said, it's, and he goes, oh, no, but just, you know, I said, mate, congratulations. Well done. Anyway, the next week, I think it was a week off. And then we pitched up at Remuera at New Zealand PGA. Uh, and he lives very close to there and plays a little bit of golf there as well. And uh, he came up to me and apologized in person again. And I said, it's fine, mate. Honestly, just it's all good. And I had a great week there and played some really quality golf and particularly in, in, in the wind on the Sunday. And he walked up, shook my hand, and he goes, you know what? He goes, no, I don't give a rat. <laughs> <laughs> he actually said something worse than that, but I won't say it on here. 
there you go, so I don't care now, <laughs> and off he went. But um, it took a while to get that win um, at New Zealand and then uh, came close on a number of occasions after that again. You know, we're, things had either just gone a little bit um, against me, whether someone else made their own luck or, um, you know, there's probably one or two there where as well where I probably made an ordinary decision or an ordinary execution um, and didn't get across the line. And then I got one in 18. And, yeah, I've sort of been close a couple of times since and probably um, – but the winning, you know, the the feeling you get is, yeah, it's incredible. I mean, you know, I mean, I'd love it to be the Colin Morikara $1.8 million win, but um, even that, it's not, about, it's not about the money. It's not, it's not about the – like, you know, I'm not going to sit here and lie and say, you know, it's got nothing to do with money. Of course it is. It's what I do, but – If Ryan had offered you the check, you would have taken yeah, it, but not the trophy. Absolutely. No. Because no, you've got integrity. Right. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Um, you, you earned that, mate. That's right. Um, but, uh, you know, it's – it's just one of those things that you you know you get you get great you know sort of feelings and euphoria from from that win and then you know as you touched on earlier um, you know losing can be running second it can be also missing the cut and missing it six eight weeks in a row to the point where you're in this in a slump um, but you know I just think uh, for me I just love that feeling of being able to compete being there uh, and when you get over the line isn't it wonderful. And then even sometimes, you know, when you don't get over the line and you just be objective about it and work out why, but you still enjoy the fact that you're there in that last group or two, you know, and, you, and you've got that chance. I think that's what, you know, that's one of the great things about it is, is being able to be there and have that chance, you know. Even if you don't get across the line, I, you know, I'd much rather be in those last two groups than be 10th last group out, you know, shoot 69 and, you know, and away you go. I'd rather shoot 72, you know, in, but have that chance to shoot 66 or 68 or whatever it happens to be and lift that trophy or, you know, even be in a playoff or, you know, just that competitiveness, I think, you know, just having that, that opportunity. You're an adrenaline junk. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. So. And I didn't mean to in any way denigrate. It's not easy to win prams. Oh, no, no, competitive no. no, no. I didn't mean that. But I no. suppose we think about professional golf as proper professional golf is four-round tournament yeah, golf. Yep. And there's a reason yep. for that because four-round tournament golf is harder, partly because it's four rounds. Yep. So they're a different beast because there's a lot mm. going on for a long – That's right. You've got that four – you know, and now the quality of play across the tours now suggests that, you know, unless the conditions are really wicked, you know that it has to be – You've probably got to either put together four in the 60s or you've got to have one that's in the mid-60s-ish, you know, to to be able to keep pace and, and have that opportunity to hold the trophy aloft, I guess. Concession last week, I didn't see a lot of it, but the bit I saw, it was brutal-looking golf course. They were yeah. well into double digits, 1,800, uh, I think. One the or things they do to some scoring. of these courses now is just, you know, but that's the thing too, it's not – it's not just their length. I get people say to me, oh, it's just because you'd like to hit it further. And I go, absolutely, I would. But you still appreciate the fact that, you know, they can hit it as far as they do. It's a 600-yard hole and they've still got a three-wood in and then they just rifle this thing into the stratosphere and land it on the green that, you know, with a beautiful shot. I mean, they're on top of their game that week and that's what we're sort of talking about here in professional golf is that if you want to win, you've got to be on top of your game or, you know, reasonably close to to be able to get it done. The majors might be different. Have you played? Have you played the British Open? I played the Open in two thousand eleven. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And I guess they're probably different. But Nicholas quite often said that you know, much of what 
of his success in majors was having the patience to allow himself to, to let others fall away. Yeah. That doesn't feel like it's so much the case in the modern game. Certainly week to week. If you want to win and you're in the hunt Saturday night, you mm. can't be thinking no, 72 no will get this anymore. done. It's no hanging on. 65 no. or bust. They don't hang on in any tour in the world anymore. Even at, at any level of competitive golf, it's rare that you hang on. <laughs> um, when you go back into the, you know, the probably mid 90s and before in the 80s and 70s, at times there was people, there were people hanging on <laughs> and just getting over the Falling line. The line yeah. But um, not anymore. And I, I think, you know, probably the great Tiger Woods would be uh, responsible for some of that. You know, the, what he's brought to the game and his mentality and the way he chased things down if he wasn't leading and the way when he was leading, he just finished them off. Said, you just, sorry, boys, you won't win. Sorry, you're just not going to be good enough. And I think that whole mentality is then fed through professional golf into our best amateurs and into juniors. Speaking of winning, Matt, and that uh, the euphoria, the adrenaline, all that sort of stuff, it strikes me that golf's it's a funny game. It's an extremely singular and selfish <laughs> pursuit at your level. And yep. It has to be. It's yep. the only way to be successful. Is that part of why the lows are so low and the highs are so high? Because everything in golf, even when the caddy's given you the wrong club, ultimately yep. is on you. Yeah, that's right. All of the misery and all of the success. Yep is yours to own. Yeah, I think that's a great statement. I think um, that's that pretty much a lot of it will be summed up there, you know, in terms of you put all that and then you put in, you know, hard work and practice and, you know, and trying to get yourself to be the best you can be. And then when you can then exhibit that and show that and get the reward from it, that's that part of it. And then on the other side of the coin is, you know, when you've done all that and you feel like you're prepared and, your execution's not there or your attitude's not there, which is a big thing. Your attitude and your and your thought process has just got to be it's just got to be good. Um, you know, and if they're not there, then, you know, you're left in the doldrums, aren't you? And that's, you know, I guess that's where you get quite low and you've got to be able to snap out of that and, and go, you know, and get back to what you do, you know, work out what your DNA is, how you get to be where you are, what makes you the player you are and how you go about it and get back to that plan. So, Spoke to Matt Goggin recently. He's got a niece now who's showing a lot of promise, Hallie Mayburn. She, oh, yeah. she was leading, co-leading the Australian amateur overnight, the, night, right. the day that I spoke with Matt. And he sort of touched on something which I've been intrigued by ever since, and we probably don't talk about this stuff enough, and it falls under mental game, and that's self-talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are we aware of the things we say to ourselves? And as golfers, I know the things I've said to my, and I've got no right to expect to play anything even half decent in terms of golf. A, I've got no ability. B, I don't practice. C, I don't take any interest or lessons or make any effort. And yet, the names <laughs> the I have called myself at various times over the years without ever giving it a thought. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Look at. Yeah, that's a that's a funny one, isn't it? Uh, no, you know, is, is no, that- it's not. Man. It's not funny at all. <laughs> uh, you know, is that why? Is that why we're the way we are as golfers? Um, you know, that that level of expectation uh, that we have. You know, whether we've prepared incredibly or horribly. Um, are you aware of self-talk? Is it something? You yeah, I am. About? I am. Because um, it's easy to think of that hippie, happy, clappy. Oh, everything's positive, and you go. It's not about that, is it? No, it's kind of a part of it, but it's. 
it's the odd pat on the back quietly you know you don't have to walk around and you know beat your chest and tell your playing partners you know how good a shot that was or in fact please don't yeah <laughs> for everybody so uh, you know that little pat on the back and you know for for possibly you know the execution the commitment you put into that shot at that time or you know the way you went about that round or picking something out you know during that round and saying right you dealt with that really well um but then sometimes you can be you know in a frustrated you know uh sense um and you know you find yourself mumbling you know i think even you know pete pete senior talking about him he's a oh, he's know, a great mumbler. he's a bad mumbler, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but um i keep my head on pretty well um but here and there i'd you know, I'm not going to throw clubs. I'm not going to start kicking the bin over and, you know, doing all that sort of thing and throwing bunker rakes or flags or whatever. But every now and then I'll give myself a real good pasting when I think <laughs> when I think I deserve it. When you've earned it. Yeah. Only if you've absolutely. earned it. Absolutely. But what I try and make happen from there is that, you know, once I've earned that and I and I deliver that, that's the catalyst to now leave that behind and turn this into a bounce back, like, that's what we're doing now. Not, we're not going to keep going on about this. We're not going to talk about this again. This is it. Learn from it. Keep going. Let's go. Get back to where you need to get to. It's more of a, it's more of a signal to say, right, that's rubbish. Move on. So that's the way I sort of look at it. And, and like I said, I don't, I don't do it that often. But yeah, in recent weeks, I've had a couple where I've had to, I had to pull myself up and just, yeah. Give myself a light roasting. Because, and I suspect a lot of amateurs could learn from this, without changing anything in your golf swing or doing any extra work or having lessons, if 90% of double-digit handicappers simply changed the way they approach the game mentally, some of what we're talking about and with expectations, mm. their scores would improve enormously. It should be the easier, shouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, it should be. Um, but it isn't, is it, man? <laughs> but, you know, I've said over the years in, in interviews that, you know, I didn't really – I sort of, you know, worked out that it was so, so easy to talk yourself out of playing well. It was easier to talk yourself out of playing well or hitting a good shot than it was to talk yourself into it. It's a cop-out in some ways. Yeah, it? it is. Yeah, like, it is. And I hit a bad shot here. Yeah, and that was a – Big so part cool. of my change, you know, mentally, and where I went to with my golf in from the beginning of fifteen in this last six years, is, you know, not accepting that uh, and actually going to trying to produce the best that I can. And you know, some days I do that really well, and then other days, you know, just the execution might not match up to that, but the attitude's good. And then there's days where the attitude can be just a little bit flat, whether you're tired or whether. You know, you you're hanging on to something, or you know, there might be something else in your life, you know, or whatever's going on where the attitude's not quite there, and it's a damn hard thing to to get the best out in a tournament when that's not there. But when that's there, you've got every chance. You've got more chance of getting something out of the tournament than you do by worrying about technique. Mm -hmm. If you if your attitude's good, yeah, your technique might have a little bit of say here and there, but you'll get more out of having a better attitude and a clearer train of thought and a good process there. So that, you know, mental and strategic side of things, and that's 
probably where a lot of club golfers can certainly Im- improve as well, and a lot of tour golfers. I was going to say a lot of tour. It's yeah. the only real separation at the top yeah. level, isn't it? it There's is, yeah. small differences. But, in I mean, you just go and watch. You know, if you, if, I've said this before, if you go and chop off heads on a driving range on the PGA Tour, so you don't know who's who, right? And you watch them, you wouldn't tell. Couldn't tell you wouldn't tell. You'd go, oh, gee, that's a lovely. Oh, that one went a little bit higher than that one. Oh, that one might have gone a bit further. Oh, look at that. They can all draw it and they can all fade it. Oh, right. You know, pick a horse in that race. Yeah, exactly. Away you go. So what, you know, then what changes? And then we look at, you know, a career you know, that Tiger Woods has had. Well, you probably go out on a limb and say he was pretty good upstairs. Yeah. You know, he he backed himself. He His strategy was obviously very good as well. Um, you know, and that comes down to him and his team. But, you know, he's just able to, able to deliver because of, he believed it. You know, and coming from the background he came from as well. So, did something happen in 2015 that led you to that epiphany? Yeah, I think um, I just got to the point where uh, I had to go back to the Q school after 14 for the first time in a long, long time in Australia. Yeah, in Australia, yeah. and um, that's madness, man. What are you? Yeah, doing? I know. What are you and, doing at Q school? You're oh, Miller. well, you know. <laughs> I think in 15 was the was the real catalyst. I went to that school and I sort of I, I was playing okay. And then I got, I think I got to the third round or fourth round and I just flat out before I went out there, I said, what, you know, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you scared of? <laughs> what are you scared of? Like what's, what's going to happen if it goes wrong? So what? It goes wrong. You know, you've got a good short game, you know, so it's probably going to go less wrong than it would for someone else. Um, you know, but what, what's the story here? Why aren't you backing yourself? Why are you talking yourself out of? playing the best golf, go and talk yourself into it. And I went and played really well for those, for the rest of that Q school and got my card, went and played the Vic Open, yeah, 13th Beach. I think that was the one, I think that was the one greeny one. And I think I finished, I'm going to say fifth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I reckon about fifth, fifth or sixth or somewhere around there. And I played some really good golf just backing myself and, you know, and then I came out, we played the Vic PGA at Huntingdale. I think I finished second or third there. Uh, you know, and then that's where it rolled on. Then that second in Toowoomba to Foxy and, and that, that just was here. It was right in the front of my mind and look forward to every round. Every, every round was an opportunity to, to then shoot a really good number. And I just kept going with that. You know, and I've had moments where it's just disappeared for a little bit, but I come back to it, you know, and that, you know, once again, trying to talk yourself out of it, you know, it's just. And why do we do that? I mean, what happens if it goes wrong? It goes wrong. You know, talent doesn't doesn't disappear, does it, Matt? No, I, I mean, your so. worst so. golf and your best golf probably aren't that far apart physically. So the only real driver of that yeah. golf can only be upstairs. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's uh, staggering. Talking about belief, does it get harder to believe in yourself when you're at the pointy end of a golf tournament? Or does it get easier? I think that comes down to the player and your your personal makeup, you know, and your circumstances. Uh, should it? No, but I think it does. I think that has a lot to a lot to say about where some guys do believe or don't believe. Um, but yeah, I mean, you would think when I think watching the best players in the world play week in week out. They genuinely believe, and it's nothing to do with money. Like it's not. Oh, geez, if I 
oh, I better be careful here because I, I might make 1.1 million. In it. But if I if I make a mess of it, I'll run second, and that's 750 grand. Or you know, there's none of that going on. You know, they're not interested in that. You know, the trophy. They want the trophy and they want the points. They want the points because they want to be the best player in the world. And the belief is there. When they're playing good, they go with it. Back yourself, go with it. Don't, you know, back, don't get the foot off the pedal. It's the and Jordan thing. Give me the yeah, ball. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. hard if it to goes do, wrong, it goes wrong. You know, I'll deal with it then. Um, rather than, you know, the opposite where some guys get to the point where it goes the other way. You know, and I, and I sit here and say I've been in both. Both boats. Nobody Honestly, wants to be chipped back, do they? No. Laid up on 15. That's right. Yeah. Has never lived it down. People yeah. telling you. And nobody could possibly know what might have happened had he gone for it. No. That's right. But he's been told for decades. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, you know and, I, and I'd sit there and say, oh, I've been in that boat myself, you know, a couple of times and, uh, you know, in both boats, really, you know, where you've, you know, where you've rolled on with what you've had and you've, you've steamrolled through and then you've had ones where you've just sort of, Ease the foot off the pedal and been a bit, you know, at the time. So, um, yeah, but I think it's it should be technically to an outsider, I guess, who's not inside the ropes at the time. Shouldn't it be easier because you've, you've been well. controlling your ball well, obviously, better than others. You've been managing to get it in the hole quicker than others. So um, what's the problem, Danny? <laughs> You know, yeah. from you know, It's like the- that whole idea. The Masters should be the easiest tournament because yeah. it's got the smallest field. But yeah. stand on the 10th tee Sunday with a chance to <laughs> try to that's tell right. someone it's the easiest of the four yeah. majors to win is no easier than any of them because yeah, that's right. uh, it might be, might be slightly easier to get yourself in that position, but it's no easier sort of uh, to, to finish off. You talked about a coach earlier. You've yep. done some coaching. Yeah, yep. You've coached some tour players. and yep. Do you still do that? Um, haven't not really working with uh, any tour players at the moment. Um, got a couple of people I sort of I you know help out. Um, uh, try and help out Dave Branson a bit with with some of his short stuff. Trying to trying to get him going. Um, and he looks like he's sort of making some some good progress and uh, of his own accord. Uh, so yeah, so I sort of helped Dave a bit. Uh, and then you know just I've mentored a couple other players and just sort of spending time with some of the younger guys here and there. And, you know, I get asked some questions now being an older guy, which is, which is good. I enjoy that. I enjoy trying to help some players and give them some advice if, you know, particularly if they ask for it. Um, yeah, I think, you know, it's something I'd asked for years ago from some of the older players that we've already spoken about in this podcast. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, Coaching wise, I coach at Federal Golf Club now in Canberra. Um, and you work with all sorts, don't you? Yeah, I work twenty with markers. Yeah, beginners, markers, beginners, beginners. Um, through How to do do through to some really decent players in the club. So you know as well as I do, yeah. there are touring brethren of yours who would rather extract their own teeth <laughs> with a pair of pliers and no anaesthetic <laughs> than give a lesson to a thirty marker. Oh, look, I think um, it's about how you how you relate, you know, and I. Um, to me, I, you know, I enjoy sort of meeting people, chatting with people. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not really shy. I'm, you know, I'm not terribly outspoken either, but I, I don't, I don't mind that. So, uh, to me, it's, it's good. You know, you can meet people, um, and that opportunity to help them sometimes, you know, I mean, I'm not saying I'm the greatest coach going around. That's for sure. Uh, I'm still, you know, trying to further my education on it. Um, you know, I think I've, Got a re- pretty decent understanding of a lot of things, and um, 
you know, and having my own experiences and- Surely you must enjoy it to be any good at it. If you're going to be a good coach, yeah. you have to enjoy it. Yeah, you? absolutely. But I, I just, I love the, the, the idea that, you know, you can, you can sort of spend a bit of time with someone and make some improvements, you know, and, and they get a result out of it. Would you rather coach a tour player or a beginner for that reason? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, the tour players, the tour players, there's a lot of expectation there and want to see a lot of change in a hurry. But, you know, so does the beginner. Um, the beginner's got a chance. The beginner's it? got a chance <laughs> to improve the, that range, I guess, you know. Rapidly. Rapidly. Um, the tour player is less likely to improve. It's going to be more about how they go about it and what they probably do upstairs as well as a bit of technique. But um, I enjoy – yeah, I enjoyed coaching all of them, to be honest. So it's a hard one to separate, but um, – They're two different, you know, just, different things, aren't they? Just things, the thing I, I like about it is it's rewarding in a sense when, you, when you're able to, you know, help someone. I just, something that happened a couple of months back and a, a gentleman at home sort of said, oh, you know, my short game's woeful. He said, oh, you know. And I said, well, what would you do from here? And he said, oh, putt it. And I said, from here? And he said, yeah, yeah. He goes, oh, <laughs> from within 30 of the green, I putt it. And I said, oh, fair enough. So anyway, we had a bit of a look it's at him. It's a legitimate tactic, by yeah, the way, I can yeah. tell you. Links golf, absolutely. <laughs> it's a legitimate uh, tactic. <laughs> putt around Tough that bunker. you, but <laughs> it's legitimate. <laughs> and uh, we spent, you know, an hour there. And, and then I said, you know, he was making some really good progress. And he was he was astonished. And and I said to him, so you're going to play today? And he said, no. I wasn't. He said, but I think now I'm going to go and play. And I said, well, listen, why don't you go out there? I said, well, take it out there and just see how you go. I said, but, you know, no expectation. Right? I said, if you get there and it, you know, and it's not good, you know, you don't feel comfortable or, you know, you get out there and, you know, things don't quite happen. They don't happen. But just limit the expectation and just go through the setup procedures that we've done for each different style of shot there and, and just see if you can execute it. If you can't, you're in no work, you're no worse position you than you were, anything, have you? and you haven't done any practice on it yet. By the way, you've just spent a bit of time here. He went out and shot forty three or forty four points that day, and I happened to look at the the club leaderboard just to see how a couple of students. And I thought, <laughs> so I sent him a photo of the leaderboard, circled, you know, <laughs> a few trophies and a couple of beers. See, and the that's icons, coaching, you know, and that's and it's good. The, you know. the teaching of the shot is teaching. Yeah. The knowing what the result was and making mention of it, yeah. co- that's coaching, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And they're two and, different things. You know, you probably look at, um, you hear things that from other sports, you know, where, you know, and I'm not a, you know, probably, you know, Wayne Bennett, I'm not, yeah, I'm not his greatest advocate, but I don't dislike the guy either. But, you know, but when you watch him, you go, and you just watch the way he handles younger players, yeah. knowing how they're going to behave what they're going to face, what they're going to encounter. And then he's able to, as a coach, he's, I don't think he does much or, or a lot, I should say, a lot of the football strategy that's left to no. his- He, other, ment- to he his, mentors young yeah, men. That's right. some talent for football. And, and is what he does. teaches them how to go about it, yeah. you know, and, and how to play their best football, what they need to do away from it, you know. And I guess that's relating a message. Um, and I've had people sort of say that over the years that, you know, you know, as coaches in different sports or in golf, you know, sometimes it, it, we can be trying to get get across the same message, three or four of us sitting here right now, let's say, and, you know, one person says it to you and you go, it oh, that's what, it, uh, that's what I understand and relate to. The, the, I know you three are sort of trying to, but I don't get that 
but we're all saying the same thing. Saying the same thing, just in yeah. Well, some so, people are better with video, some people yeah. are better with audio, some people are better reading. That's right. We're all and I mean, sometimes I, I don't get to the bottom of the matter yeah. when I'm coaching. I'm trying to, yeah. and I but I take that a little bit personally as well. I yeah. go home and I watch the There's video, and I keep watching it and keep watching it. I ask for help from from other people as well if I'm really stuck, and I and I think to myself, you know. You know, how can I help this what, person? What am I not doing right? Yeah, that's, that's right. I, I don't like it. No. <laughs> I don't like it when they, if they don't get a result there and then or shortly after, I sort of take that a bit personally. And that's probably not something that you, you know, you want to be taking that home with you. No. <laughs> but I sort of, <laughs> your wife's but I'm sitting there thinking, you know, like t- trying to tear my hair out watching videos to try and work out how I can give that person something further to improve. So I think Butch Harmon grudgingly admitted one day in an interview that he's met one or two golfers that he simply couldn't help. Yeah. That was so bad. There's always going to be that. That he couldn't help them. (laughs) One or two, he said at most, but he wasn't going to do that. Just the last thing on the short game, I'll tell you this. This is not yet a saying in golf, but I'm hoping it'll become one. It's better to hit it with the putter once than twice with the wedge, Matt. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say to you. That's right. (laughs) Much better for the scorecard uh, and and for your mental health. Yes, that's, absolutely. Uh, that's how I'll put it to you. What next for Matt Miller? You get people asking in the program, how long are you going to stick with this for? You've got to look ahead. You don't get any younger. None of us do. Father time's undefeated. What's the future for Matt Miller? I'll definitely be looking to play some seniors golf. There's no doubt about that, or a lot of it, if I can. Um, Europe, US, where would you uh, Yeah, I'm not too t- sure. It's a tougher gig, yeah. possibly, to get. At fifty than it is at eighteen. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I, I haven't, I haven't thought a lot about it to be honest yet, Rod. I think um, it is quite a way. It is. Away. It's In still fact, a way away. So. Um, but let's just have to sort of watch the landscape on that one and see, you know, what happens um, with the seniors tour on all those tours. Um, COVID's changed everything. COVID's hasn't? changed it, everything. It might end the European seniors. There's a bit tour. going on here in Australia with seniors golf. Obviously, we should have stronger, a, but we should have a great senior team. We've yeah, got yeah. some fantastic characters we do. at that age group. We do great players, um, but fantastic characters. We do. And I think Europe, uh, yeah, you know, they've they've had a couple they've of highs, struggled. but then they're coming backwards. Yeah. Uh, you know, COVID and then the senior tour in the states is the one. But Jesus, you know, that's probably the hardest tour to get onto in the world. And this is what a lot of people don't understand: is that you know, there's only they're only giving out about six cards, seven cards. You know, your Monday qualifier for the Monday qualifiers. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, so, um, but definitely I'll just sort of watch that space a bit, you know, and see what happens. But yeah, the plan is that I, you know, I'll still be playing golf then. And I mean, you know, will, will I still be playing Australian Opens and PGAs and so on then? Yeah, hopefully. We hope hopefully. so. Hopefully. I, I, I don't, uh, I don't see why if I'm competing well that, that I can't. And it might even be a couple of yards shorter by then. Hopefully not. Hopefully I can maintain. But, um, but you know, like Pete, guys like Pete Senior and Pom and Paz, you know, I mean, Paz not so much now, but, you know, they've continued to play past 50 on, on our events here. Um, Pete Senior won but, all three of our yeah, events that's after right. the age of 50. Yeah, the bull You should have won that 2015 mm-hmm. Masters. Yeah. We both know that. <laughs> oh, thanks for bringing that up, Rod. Yeah. I oh, just got over that. Um, yeah, no, that was a close one. Um, yeah, probably. Andrew Evans should have won it. Yeah, we had our chances, that's for sure. I think um, you were coaching him, weren't you? Didn't you play together? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Him and, uh, yeah, and helping Daniel Fox a bit at the time as well. But, yeah, definitely uh, doing a bit with, with Andrew at that time, just trying to trying to help him with a few things with his game, probably more with his with his mind and, and the way he went about it. So, um, 
yeah, he certainly finished really strongly that year. So that was that was probably the probably showed him what he was capable of. Like he showed himself. I mean, not me. He showed himself. What he was capable of. It's important so. too. Isn't it? People will tell you your whole life if you've got to be how good you are. Yeah. If you don't believe it yourself or you never prove it to yourself, there's a difference between confident and cocky, isn't there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that can be part of it too. There's that outside expectation as well placed on you by other people. I mean, I, you know, wasn't that, wasn't that greater amateur player. So, you know, I didn't have that sort of pressure, but. Even just sort of people at your home club and that, and even as you become a professional, you know, and they, you know, they see, they see what you do, and um, over the years as a younger player, not so much now, but you know, they they expect a bit there, and you trying to sort of separate that from your own expectations is is another side of it because you're always going to get people, you know, trying to pump your tires up and tell you. Yeah. They also think that uh, some people also think that you know it's actually not that difficult. But in a sense, they're they're doing you a favour as well. They're they're, inst- they're instilling a bit of confidence in you if you can run with a bit of that, and maybe sort of run with that mentality of you know what. There's no reason why I can't, and that's sort of that flick of the switch in a sense with golfers. You know that we're a funny bunch like that. Once again, it's easy to talk yourself out of it and to talk yourself into it. So yeah, it's a funny one. As with all our guests, a big thanks to Matt for making the effort to come into the studio during tournament week. And I can tell you, for those that are curious, he went on to finish eight under par at the Players Series at Bonnie Doon and in a tie for 24th place. That wraps up episode 38, but make sure you come back in two weeks' time when John Huggan will sit down with European Tour legend and Ryder Cup winning captain Thomas Bjorn. That's next time on The Thing About Golf. Golf.